1: The Parkins and Spiegel show.
2: If you all ready, give me a hell yeah. Oh,
3: hell yeah.
0: Aaron Rodgers talks to Pat McAfee.
3: Oh god.
0: The punter in a tank top, he talked once again about a decision that isn't coming yet because he's got a process. Darkness, my old friend.
1: I've come to talk with you. And that's why I think it's going to be important to take my, uh, you know, my isolation retreat. It's a
3: darkness retreat. So you walk into a room for four days, or is it a cave? Where it's a, it's a, it's a room. It's a little house. Yeah.
0: Four days
3: in a dark
0: house. It's a darkness retreat. I couldn't believe how small a house he put. <laughs> He's going to go to Terry Borz's childhood home. He's going <laughs> to. First question, could you do it?
3: Danny, I live in darkness and isolation already. <laughs> no, you don't. Oh, you think darkness is your ally. You merely adopted the dark.
0: I was born in it. I think I could do it. What do you get on the Maybe fourth not. day yeah, that... that you wouldn't get from the third day?
3: That's when you really break through. It's F- when you rise again. Four.
4: <laughs>
0: Four <laughs> the stone rolls, right? I believe that's from the stone rolls
3: Have you heard the good news? Jesus Christ That's
0: right It's so ridiculous A lot of textures saying Hmm, he's paying to go into solitary confinement yes. Paying to go into the hole
3: You will do the hardest time there is No more protection from the guards I'll pull you out of that one bunk Hilton Catching my drift Or am I being obtuse?
0: 40 days? This, no, just yeah, four. Yeah. Four days in the hole. This sounds miserable to me. Get
3: out of here! Get on with your life, would you? What life? I got no
2: life! I'm in the dark, here. Yeah. Do you understand?
1: I'm in the dark!
3: It's a darkness retreat. One, two, three, and
1: here we go, go. Here we go. Here we go, Here we go, Tony. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Afternoons from 2 to 6 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station.
0: Thank you for hanging out. Parkinson Spiegel on The Score. You can get your questions in for one last thing. We will go to Arizona and talk to Mark Carmen in 20 minutes. He was asking great questions of Matt Nagy and, uh, if this segment isn't enough of a defensive Michael Jordan, you do not need to worry uh, in 20 minutes. And here's the thing. like I love Michael Jordan. Love him. Have a signed jersey in my home. Went to his basketball camp. Have hundreds of his cards. Saw... 50 games in person. It was a defining thing of my upbringing and
3: childhood. I got to say, when you said, went to his, ba- I thought you were going to say bachelor party? Bachelor yeah, party. bachelor party? He's lying. He didn't go to that. His bathroom, <laughs> his bachelor
0: party, basketball camp uh, at Elmhurst College where I got the signed jersey. It was, I, I, I I used to say in my childhood, it was like there was my mom, there was my dad, and then the third most influential person was arguably Michael Jordan. Like, you know what I mean? I loved Michael Jordan. Who didn't? Who didn't? Um, and I think that nostalgia upsets people. I think Jordan, or I think LeBron beating the Bulls upsets people. I think people hold on to like petty grudges of like,
3: he changed teams not coming to the bulls people mad about that yeah yeah not coming
0: to the bulls uh the decision which raised three million dollars for the boys and girls club like and by the way now free agency is a television show in every sport i mean the trade deadline is a television show like he he's kind of just ahead of the times uh on that one now the you know 27 questions from jim gray do you bite your nails lebron you know that that was that was a little much but that was as much jim gray as it was lebron um But Jordan, his legacy is cemented. I mean, LeBron calls him Black Jesus. LeBron looked up to Michael Jordan. He chased Michael Jordan. Just like Jordan was influenced by Magic and Larry and Dr. J and... Kareem and Wilt and Russell, the NBA is a lineage. It passes it down. It's generational, and I know we love to debate who's the best, who's the second best, who would win, my era, your era. We we don't have time travel, and like the guys back then weren't practicing and shooting threes, and they didn't have massage therapists and – Five star hotels and private jets and sports nutritionists and some of them had jobs in the off season. Like depending on how far you go back, it's a it's we don't time travel doesn't exist. So you know I heard Bernstein talking about if you dropped a guy off from the Corn Ferry Tour in Jack Nicholas's age, uh, the Corn Ferry Tour guy would absolutely destroy the golfers in 1978. Yeah, if he had modern sports science and modern equipment, but if you took Jack Nicholas and took him in his prime and dropped him in 2022 and gave him the best golf equipment and gave him time with the sports uh nutritionist and psychologist and the the physical therapy and the workouts and all that he his talent would be better than the corn fairy guy today so like that that time travel argument works both ways and by the way we don't have time travel, so we we'll ne- These are the endless debates that like are that prop up my industry that I love so much. So I'm not belittling any of it. I I look at it as LeBron is the better overall basketball player. Jordan is my favorite and the more influential figure. He's got the better story. Six and zero in the finals, all with one team. I mean, LeBron's kids were sitting courtside last night watching their dad break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time scoring record wearing Jordan shoes. You know, like, like it's... That, that level of global impact and influence is singular to Michael Jordan because it wasn't available technologically for Bird and Magic and Dr. J and Will and Kareem and Russell, and then by the time LeBron came onto the scene, Jordan had already done it, but if you flipped the two of them, this is the argument that I think, it's like, it's, Jordan was the best of his era, LeBron's the best of his era, why can't that be enough? I don't really get why one tears down the other. In an alternate universe, where LeBron comes into the league when Jordan comes into the league... Jordan is, or excuse me, LeBron is considered the GOAT. He would have been the star of the dream team. He would have been the face of basketball becoming a global sport. He would have stayed on one team throughout the entirety of his prime because that's how all of the players did it back then because free agency wasn't as much of a thing. He would have had the commercial with Spike Lee. He would have had the signature shoe. But Jordan just it was a it was a product of its time. And LeBron, yes, would have also been undefeated in the finals because the teams that Jordan played in the finals were not as good as the teams that LeBron has played in the finals, by and large. So like it's you're you're a product of your time and your era and your sports science and your the rules of the game and the three point shot and a hundred other different factors. How What would have happened to Michael Jordan if everyone had a cell phone camera when he's binging 36 holes of golf and drinking with Jeremy Roenick and going to Atlantic City before games? Like, that's not reported in the newspaper. We would have seen him at the blackjack table with a cigar. You know, it just, it would have been, who knows how Jordan would have handled LeBron's pressure? Who knows definitively how LeBron would have handled Jordan's pressure? I, I, I guess that's like too nuanced or. Not strong enough. Like, and I generally believe in evolution of the athlete and progress of the athlete and LeBron bigger, faster, stronger. And I feel like the argument that a lot of the Jordan sycophants make of like, well, Jordan went to college and well, Jordan took off for, for baseball. Well, I mean, that's part of it. Like, I know that at the time you couldn't enter directly for, for high school and Jordan won the NCAA championship, so that's something that he has that LeBron never has. But the longevity of LeBron is part of the greatness. The fact that 19 of his 20 seasons, he's been 25-6-6 six and six at a minimum, and the next closest dude did it 14 times, and Jordan did it three. Like, that's insane. That is an insane thing to talk about the longevity of what he accomplished. So, you know, I I don't think that LeBron being the greatest of his era, which is the modern era, and in general, athletes evolve, so the greatest of the most recent era is therefore the best of all time. I don't look at that as an insult to Michael Jordan. I look at that as just like time and evolution. Because LeBron doesn't insult Mike, and I don't think Mike really insults LeBron. They both know that they never got a chance to play against each other. And maybe there was a pickup game that they played one day, but it certainly once a when both of them were in their prime. And I would want both of them to believe that they would beat the other one. And like, so like, all the praise that LeBron gets doesn't do anything to damage my childhood. It doesn't make me like LeBron more than Mike. doesn't make me buy LeBron shoes. doesn't make me have a LeBron jersey in my house. It's just, but like, as a guy who watches basketball and loves basketball, I'm like, oh my God, a 38-year-old man is putting up 38-7 and in year 20 in the league? And he just took down a record that has... My entire life, I'm 36 years old, Kareem has had the scoring mark my entire life. It is very likely that LeBron will have the scoring title the rest of my life. It's very likely. You're like, oh no, Luka's going to break it. Uh, I don't think so. You can do the math on that. I did it on Twitter last night. It's not good uh, on the radio. But he would need to average 30 for like the next... 12 or 13 seasons and play all 82 games and this is his first year ever averaging over 30 and he's never played more than 72 games so Luca playing until he's you know is he playing 20 years in the league is he playing until he's 37 38 years old maybe or is he gonna chill or is he going to get injured or is he going to get interested in something else who knows it's hard to do and LeBron's not done that's for him to get to this number He's going to get to 44,000 points or something like that. It's going to be insane. But, you know, LeBron was asked who the GOAT was, and uh, he gave the answer that I would give, frankly.
2: LeBron, everyone
3: talks about who the GOAT is. How would you describe the GOAT, and where would you put
0: yourself in that conversation?
2: Um, I don't know, man. You know, for me, um, you know, I think it's a great barbershop talk. It's, um, it's going to happen uh, forever and ever. Um, you know, if I was, um, the GM or, or whatever the case may be of a, of a franchise that was starting up and I had the number one pick I'd take me but that's just me because I believe in myself. I know what I bring to the table. Um, you know a guy that's been able to um, transform his game over the course of 20 years to be able to play any position in this league and excel at any position. You know I can play one through five. Um, you know I've led the league in assists. Um, you know I've been able to do whatever this this game um has wanted me to do and also just transform my game as well when the game it was, when i first got into the league it was very slow i remember we i mean i playoff game with detroit when we was in the 70s you know finals games when we was in the 70s with san antonio in the 80s you know to now you see a team score 150 and you have to be able to keep up you know and more threes and things of that nature so um you know um you know just being able to stay um you know, with the curve and, and, uh, and changing my game if I needed to, or just improve my game. But that don't take away from nobody else. I mean, so many great players has played this game and has, you know, has a last long legacies in, in this in this in this game. Uh, this NBA is a beautiful thing, and it's been some some beautiful players to play it. But I, would, I can't take nobody over me.
0: Yeah, I would want the guy to say that it was him. I would want Jordan to say it was him. I would want Kareem to say it was him how it works. Best all-around talent I've ever seen. Killer Instinct to Mike? I don't think so. I don't think anyone has. But I don't think you can have four championships and four MVPs and spend a million dollars a year on your body and be doing this in year 20 in the NBA at 38 years old without having Killer Instinct. I don't think you become the all-time leading scorer in NBA history without having Killer Instinct. Kevin Harlan was on with Dan and Lawrence. He's one of the great talk radio guests that you can have because he's seen everything and he's so eloquent in how he puts it. Here's how Kevin Harlan weighed in today on the GOAT.
4: You think of the broader picture and you think about when you're a part of moments like that and can watch him. And to watch LeBron do that and watch, I I was actually, I did his first game as a pro in Sacramento when he was 17 years old. Um, Doug Collins and I did that game. And, and so we've kind of watched him the whole time. And then the, the, the big dunk over the reigning defensive player of the year that you're referring to, Kevin Garnett. Um, Doug was with me on that broadcast, or I was with Doug on that broadcast that night. And so that was a lot of fun. And then watching him last night do what he did and thinking of all the great players that have played, not the least of which was Michael and Kobe. And uh, to me, Jordan and Bryant are still the two most spectacular players i've i've ever called uh had done them both since their rookie year and got to watch their careers and enjoyed their acrobatics and they're just different players than lebron lebron has got that but he's he's he's, he's just different like he, he he's like a, a he's like a ty- he's, he's just different in his body and and he's not maybe the, the flamboyant that Bryant or certainly michael was um but he's certainly in that conversation clearly and now he's the number one so to have watched him as Jordan and, and Kobe, you know, is a, is a real honor uh, for all of us that have watched and written and broadcast his games over the years. It's, uh, it was amazing and a, and a nice night for the NBA in the midst of, of Super Bowl week. And um, uh, what, what an accomplishment when you think about all that he's had to go through and all the points he's scored against the different defenders over the years. Three different teams with championships in each. A uh, pretty amazing career that he's had, and it's not over. It is not over. I
0: love hearing Kevin Harlan. Can't wait to listen to the entire conversation uh, later as we go. It's it's a great debate that is unanswerable, and I think some of what he's talking about are those soft factors. Jordan, it felt like he flew. It was more you you felt like it was the the better brand of basketball. LeBron is a tank, 6'9", 270, bulls over people. But I don't know, I find his passing to be pretty remarkable. And I'll also say this, like, I remember Jordan, you know, I was a kid, you know, for, I was born in 86, so I didn't see the whole thing. And then I saw it through the eyes of the kids. So a lot of it is nostalgia, and then going back, and the DVDs, and the, i got four different Michael Jordan books and the documentaries and all all of that stuff. Um, I saw LeBron play in person at the United Center when he was in high school. There is something to seeing someone in person at every stage of their career. I saw every stage of Tiger's career, but not all of it, obviously, in person. Not that I saw all of LeBron's career in person. But in terms of an all-time great, seeing them from, remembering it, high school all the way through, though still not the end. its uh, I mean, I remember when he got in trouble with the Hummer when he was in high school. So like to be a adult-conscious sports fan, like a discerning sports fan, for the entirety of an all-time great's career, it's uh, for people my age, it's one of the few that we can really claim that we've seen. But I don't feel like any of the praise that LeBron is getting takes away from Mike in any way. And I don't think praise to Mike takes away from LeBron. Our next guest definitely disagrees. He will wave the Michael Jordan flag for you proudly. He will dismiss all LeBron James accomplishments proudly. And we'll talk to him about uh, the Super Bowl and the Matt Nagy experience. Mark Carman next on The Score. We, we wanted to make sure that we, we handled Justin. We knew that that was our future. And we wanted to handle him and do everything we possibly could to make sure that he succeeded
1: yeah, I, I just look
0: back at it like i just thought maybe like if you were under pressure like i gotta develop this guy and my job's on the line but maybe like in the retrospect maybe it wasn't we weren't ready to put him out there and he wasn't ready to do it you go back to the cleveland browns game right it was a, a really really difficult game i think there was eight or nine sacks for, and it's not what we wanted for, for him, for Justin, right? We didn't want it for us. We didn't want it for Justin. The last thing you want is to, hurt, is to hurt somebody's confidence, a young quarterback like we did that game.
1: The Parkins and Spiegel Show, afternoons on the score.
0: He was asking the best questions to Matt Nagy, whether you wanted to hear him or not. He's my buddy and the most underappreciated member of the Chicago media. Thrilled to see him thriving. at Chgo. Joining us from the site of the Super Bowl in Arizona, Mark Carmen with us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book.
1: What's up, Carm? Carco, I do love you. You know this. Thank you for that uh, introduction. And uh, I guess it's true. Some people wanted to hear from Matt Nagy, others did not. I did. Uh, I, there was more questions that I could have asked him, and I'm sure if you were there right then, you would have reminded him into his face. That was it was nine times that he was sacked, and, and it should have been like fifteen, uh, Matt. But but <laughs> yeah, but I, I, it's I so
0: funny. Did you were you listening to the show yesterday? Because when we played the cut, uh, and he was like, "Yeah, you know," and he got sacked eight or nine times. I I said, I was like. 9, Matt. It was it was 9. I would I really rather you know and remember it because it was the stuff of nightmares. So you're 100% yeah, right.
1: You know, I I will out myself that I, I did hear it. I, we actually came back. You you'll enjoy this. We you know, after uh, last night's media festivities at this five-acre farm that the NFL probably paid nobody for. It was like a the nicest wedding I've ever been to media party. Everybody else at the CHG houses. Is you know partying it up at eleven thirty, twelve o'clock at night. Carm, you know, old man over here. I want to go to bed, so I, I I I'm in this you know uh, bedroom the size of the, uh, that can barely fit a single bed in there. And people are like, are you going to sleep? Yes, I'm going to sleep, and and I and I'm, and I'm listening to Danny Parkinson in my ear, so I don't have to listen to the party out there. So I heard it. Yes.
0: I- wow, wow, that is a you're a P one buddy. You are you are committed, yeah. and I very much appreciate it. Did you did you feel like Matt Nagy had taken, like, earnest responsibility to the point where you would be comfortable in a year or two or maybe in seven or eight if it's just whenever Andy Reid retires? Like, do you believe that he's learned from the error of his ways and will be an effective head coach and get a
1: second shot at it? So I find this part of the discussion fascinating. I am never hiring Matt Nagy to be my head coach in the NFL. You want to make him a junior college head coach you want to hire him for a mid major you want to bring him to a high school and be a part of young kids lives that's cool i don't get how he could ever possibly be the best candidate on the nfl level and i i believe him when he says he's learned a lot in direct communication but also in that same cut he's like you know i was a great communicator but i learned that i really wasn't that great at communicating i'm like i'm like that doesn't make any sense what you just said so i to me i i i'm not replacing andy Reid – or really, anyone with Matt Nagy? You, you want to have him on your staff, positive influence? I get it, but to me, he's not a head coach in the NFL.
0: Do you think he took an appropriate amount of accountability for the failures with the Bears?
1: An appropriate amount of accountability. I'm, I'm stalling on that one. I I don't know what more he could say, Parco. Like, listen, I I I think he did. It's how it was, I guess at the end of the day, he admitted that he wasn't perfect and that. He learned things. It was just too much. Like they hired him before he was ready. He had never fully established himself as a coordinator. He, he thought that uh, you know he had some magic formula. He was, and so he, he he I think he outed himself as much as any coach would ever out themselves on, on ways in which he was not ready to do it and what he's you know learning now.
0: So we're talking to Mark Carmen from CHGO, and he will uh, wave the flag of Michael Jordan here in just a second. But
1: oh, I can't wait. I,
0: I know. I know. This is all a preamble, my friend. Uh, <laughs> can you give us some like off mic anecdotes from Matt Nagy? Like, did he was he expecting to see all of the Chicago media? Was, was he was he annoyed by it? Like, was anyone asking him any questions that were not Bears related? Because I, it was, he was gracious in the fact that he did answer, but he's also obligated by the league to stand there for an hour.
1: Right. So on that night at, at the Super Bowl, you, you know, all the players are walking around with the media, and it's a very odd scene. And, like, the, the 12 primetime players, there have their booths, and there's a little area for the coaches. So he knows that he's going to get questions, and he hasn't spoken really. So he's got to know that the Bears, the Chicago media is going to be there. And what was odd about it is there were some national people there. Who I, I, to be honest, I don't know who they were. And they were just asking horrendous questions at the start. And I'm like, will you stop? Like, look, Hogue's here, Carm's here, Jared Payton's here, Patrick Finley's here. This is not whatever you're doing. And so, and then Adam got in there. And I, I was honestly like, I, you know, my own teammate, I was trying to, I was basically trying to trip over him because I just wanted, I want to know what the hell did you learn? Uh, where have you gotten to uh, since you've been in Kansas City to now? Um, but he. He, it seemed to me almost, Parker, like he wanted to talk. And, and you know, we were done after 15 minutes, and he, it didn't stop. I mean, it was about an hour time that they're out there, and he had people in front of him the entire time. So uh, he was in a good mood. He, you know, he, now you now I mean, give him credit. He doesn't say much, but he gives you the eye content. He wants you to like him. He's got all that going on, and it was no different. He wasn't shying away. And I, I think he absolutely was expecting the attention that he got.
0: He's a likable guy, uh, just not just a very, very stubborn and not adaptable head football coach. Uh, we're talking to Mark Carmen from CHGO. He's out in Arizona. You, as you mentioned, are very old. So uh, you live through and remember the entirety of the Michael Jordan era. Listen, I, I talked about it, man. I was like, uh, Michael Jordan is childhood nostalgia to me. The company my dad worked for had bull season tickets for the second three peat. I probably saw him fifty times, but you know, I'm 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. Uh, you know, 96 to to, to 98. I'm born in 86 so I don't have I don't remember the whole thing. I've read the books, I've seen the documentaries, in the movies, the whole thing. Uh, but I I I revere Michael Jordan uh, from like a childhood nostalgia perspective. You saw the entirety of his career, you saw the entirety of LeBron's and it offends you deeply when people say or even suggest the mere possibility that LeBron could be on his level despite the fact that he's now the all-time leading scorer in NBA history who's also fourth in assists and ninth in steals. Why is it so offensive to you?
1: So, Well, it's it's particularly offensive to people who did see Jordan's entire career, and there's not that many of them, but who have somehow tricked themselves into seeing cumulative stats to all of a sudden now figure out that LeBron is better because he now has the most points in NBA history. I'm not trying, by the way, it's also a thing like, this is not any disrespect to LeBron to call him the second greatest player to ever play the game. It's a pretty good compliment. However, when you look at the entire body of work, I just don't understand how somebody who watched LeBron lose to the Dallas Mavericks up two games to one, getting guarded by J.J. Perea, putting up eight points, and who watched Jordan, could ever think that ever would have happened with, with, with Michael. It, it's, just, it's just not even remotely close. And so I think LeBron, the second half of his career has been, I'm not saying the first half wasn't phenomenal too, and again, second greatest player of all time. But in the first half of his career, he just wasn't that guy down the stretch. Whereas if Michael had had any players earlier in his career, We wouldn't be talking about just six titles. We would have been talking about a whole lot more. But he was running around with Brad Sellers and and Charles Oakley and Mike Brown and and Rory Sparrow. I don't need to name all the names. But, I I mean, wasn't LeBron
0: playing? You know, he he lost in the finals to the Spurs with Zydrunas Ilgowskis and Booby
1: Gibson, but he was there? Yes, correct. But you're you're talking about Jordan was coming up. The Detroit Pistons, who won back-to-back championships, should have won four. I, Isaiah Thomas throws the ball away to Larry Bird. By the way, a phenomenal Celtics team. They should have won that year and then they got deservedly so because Bill Laimbeer was Bill Laimbeer a, a phantom foul to the Lakers. That that was a four championship team right on the verge of it that won two. And you were talking about the the 86 Celtics who he's playing when he gets in the playoffs to start along with the Bucks who were a great team in the early 80s. I mean, this is he, whenever he had a chance to completely will his team to do it. He was he, he carried them to the Eastern Conference Finals. So to me, it's just it's just look. I, I don't think anybody would argue. You 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 absolutely have to have a bucket. Who do you want to have the ball in the dance? To find somebody or to score is the answer is Jordan. And then as far as defensively, Jordan was a complete lunatic. So what are we talking about? I just don't get it. Like. The, the, Best scorer, phenomenal defender, and and when they ask Michael to play point guard, he gets a triple double every single night. Like I just don't understand if you watch the two, how you could how you could ever come up with LeBron was better. To me, if you do the eye test, and and then of course there's the numbers as far as per game, Michael's got him there too. Now, uh, but sure, okay. I, like whatever, Karl Malone's got more points. He's got more rebounds. Does that mean he's better than Jordan? I, I just don't get it. Like, does anybody watch basketball? What's going on here? At you Michael Jordan was the Michael Jordan of Michael Jordans. How's that? <laughs> well, listen. I mean, again,
0: I I love Michael Jordan. I think you're like it's not disrespectful to LeBron to say that he's the second best ever. I feel like the same thing could be said about Mike because on a per game basis, Jordan does have LeBron by three points per game, but uh, but, but LeBron's got more rebounds per game, more assists per game. Like, so, you know, we can, he's got better field goal percentage, better three point field goal percentage per game. And there is something to longevity. Like I, I know that Jordan had to play in college, but he took time off in the middle of his career. He did have a playoff series in the 90s that he lost to Orlando. And I think that there is something, too, in his year 20 season, averaging 38 and seven, and the all around nature of LeBron's game. Man, I saw this stat the other day, it blew my mind. LeBron has averaged at least 25, 6 and 6 in 19 seasons. Second most all-time is Oscar Robertson, who did it 14 times. LeBron did it – or Jordan did it three. Like, just like the all-around nature of LeBron's game – is insane to me. So I don't look at it as insulting to Mike if people have LeBron. I don't think I don't think it's insulting to LeBron if people have Mike. They're both all-time greats.
1: Uh, all right. I mean, listen, it, it's a very balanced, solid Parko uh, take and I and, and and I and I get it. Like you're you're trying to come from a a level space here and I, and I am uh, admittedly extremely biased in this, but I don't even think it's honestly, I don't even think it's biased. Like it, I he, he, look LeBron, phenomenal all all over the court, Parco. Yes, and but it's we also have to get the ears in here, right? I mean, we're talking about massive difference in how guys are guarded now and how open the court is versus what it was like back in the day. I mean, Mike was going to the hole and they were literally killing him in that oh, foul out about. Not even, not even, not even a technical. Okay, you were slammed down. You know, get back up. Let's go. I mean, that's and aside from the fact just how physical you are allowed to be in a regular play without, without even a foul being called. So, it, you know, the, the eras get in there. Uh, but where I give LeBron a ton of credit to where you are at, no one, listen, he takes care of his body in ways that they had no idea how to do back then. And he has taken it to a whole other level. And whenever I go and cover a game, the LeBron's at, he's, before the game, he's out there with the medicine ball or he's out there with some stretching object and he's doing like, literally everything he possibly can do before the game, before he goes out there. Whereas, if I'm, you know, being honest about Mike, yeah, he, he worked incredibly hard at Tim Grover and all that stuff. But, you know, at the back end of it, we saw a lot of videos of him smoking cigars and, uh, and drinking whiskey. Which, and honestly, Carm,
0: that's the argument that the people that are so, you know, uh, bullish on Jordan should be making more of.
1: <laughs> that's another great way for that, that, that's
0: my if you want to make the Jordan argument be like he did it while playing 36 holes of golf drinking smoking and eating steak every night like, LeBron spending a million dollars a year on his body and a wild night out is two glasses of red instead of one. Like, before he goes home and plays Madden. Like, I, to me, that's the Jordan argument uh, because I think that, like, yes, it was more physical for Jordan, but in this era, frankly, the teams that LeBron has lost to have been better. Uh, in terms of like when he actually made it to the finals. But to your point, the teams that Jordan played where he didn't even get to the finals in the 80s were better because they happened to be in the Eastern Conference and LeBron's the great teams happened to be in the Western Conference. So like they're just they're different. One was the greatest of his era. One was the greatest of their era. It's fine.
1: Let me just ask you this, and I'm probably up against some level of clock here. Do you think that the Bulls win six titles and are 6-0 and oh in the finals if you, if you swapped out Mike for, Le, for LeBron? I do. You do. I absolutely okay. do. Oh, okay. All right. I do not. Um, I. I, I absolutely Why he positive. would? I mean,
0: I mean, Jordan took. I mean, what he was, was seven
1: years in before he before he broke through. Yeah, but Parco, he had one All Star, one perennial All Star that he played with his entire career. No, I, I understand
0: know, he, that, but the team, the team, old Magic Johnson, Clyde Drexler, uh. You know Charles Barkley, who was great, but the the Bulls Marco, were not it,
1: underdogs in any of the finals that they won. Parko, the, the Miami Heat had Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade, and they lost to the Dirk Nowitzki Mavs. Yeah, no, do you that, lose that. No, that I mean, that's,
0: that's, that's 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 the biggest blemish. That is That but he he went to the finals ten times. So LeBron has been to the finals ten times. He's won four. He's lost six. Of the four wins, he was favored in three of them. The one that he won was like. One of the most ridiculous things, that probably the the single most ridiculous thing I've ever seen on a basketball floor, was what Le- LeBron did in that series against the Warriors when they were the you know the seventy three win team, the he leads, right. leads every player in the series in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks, right? He led both teams in all five categories, came back from down 3-1. That was the one he won as an underdog, most impressive thing I've ever seen in basketball. And then in the six, in the six that he lost, he was an underdog in five of the six, and the blemish is the Mavericks series that, that you're holding him to. The Bulls were favored in their final series, and they won them.
1: Right, and it, listen, he deserves a ton of credit for beating the Warriors that year. However, Curry was hurt. They weren't the same team that they were in the regular season when they won 73 games. Now, Granted, uh, he he. Gary Payton was head.
0: hurt. Magic was old. We can do oh. that game all day.
1: Sure, but you know you can't really do that game the same. But Magic was heard that that team went fifteen and two, and the two games they lost was one was in and out in game one of the finals, and they were down twenty four to the Sixers and should have won that game too. They should have actually swept through the playoffs in ninety one, which is another argument that Bulls fans don't necessarily agree with. But I, I still think the ninety one team is better than the ninety six team because Jordan was five years younger. Different argument for a different time. You're but the best, look. Carm.
0: You're the best. Keep doing great work, man. Congrats on all your success. I still think you're underappreciated. CHGO, Mark Carman. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Parco. All right, love you, buddy. I'll answer a question or two before we get out of here for one last thing. Parkinson Spiegel on the score. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. It's been a long four hours. Afternoons on
3: the score. Just one more thing, please. I thought you had a clock to punch. I do. I'm leaving right now. It's time for One Last Thing. Let's let someone else ask a couple questions. I just
1: want to ask you. And then
3: we'll come back to you. One
1: question. How about that? Let's let everybody else and we'll come back to you. Ask any question. I just want to ask you. For anyone on the show. Then I can figure out who I want to answer to. I don't need your help with that.
2: I just want to ask you. One question. Does
1: anyone else have another question first? I got a question. All right.
2: I just want to ask you. Thank you. One question.
1: One Last Thing with Parkinson Spiegel on 670 The Score.
0: we like to end the show with your questions. Text and twitch them in. At this point, Tanny is gathering them and asking them. We'll try to answer a couple real quick. What do we got?
3: From the 708, which NFL coach would Danny be willing to trade a pick for?
0: Uh, yeah, I would trade a pick for Kyle Shanahan. I would. Not the number one pick, but I know he's had some very questionable in-game moments. But making Super Bowls in NFC Championship games with Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo, to me, like that is... That is just such an unbelievable skill. Um, And, you know, Andy Reid, but he's too old. But to me, the thing that I value more than anything else in an NFL head coach is the great game planner and the great quarterback maximizer. If you can win with less than ideal quarterback talent, you're a great coach. And uh, Shanahan and Reid have proven to be able to do that.
3: Uh, what about Mike Tomlin? Any Mike Tomlin, love. I know we talked about Tomlin as a guy last year or whatever when the Bears were looking to make change. Like that's a guy that you put as president of your organization. You run everything. Like people make a lot of like the whole make you know you're competitive every single year. You know what I mean? Especially the way they started this season. I don't know if you uh, care much about that. No, I mean,
0: l- listen, Tomlin is his. The stat for Tomlin's a simple one. He's never been under five hundred. Like that's a, it's a great, absolute leader, classy dude, inspirational. Uh There isn't the schematic edge with him,
3: which and it w- seems like people are always angry. I mean, maybe because I follow Pony on Twitter. Like, there's always something with the offensive coordinator. Like, can't always pick the coordinators. Granted, some of them leave. Yeah, on the defensive side, but can't always get the OC correct.
0: Yes, that so that. Right. Not having the schematic edge be your thing would make me really hesitant to trade for the head coach when his biggest winning has been when he's had a Hall of Fame quarterback. Next
3: well, one here. Yeah. Oh, sorry.
0: No, 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 no. Go, go ahead. I was just saying, I was saying, it's interesting that not that many coaches have been traded for, but the vast majority of them have worked. Belichick, Parcells, Gruden. We'll see about Sean Payton. It's just, it's interesting that it doesn't happen more.
3: Uh, next one here. Final one here uh, from the 386 area code, Danny going to Kansas City for only 36 hours uh, for this season's baseball trip, already doing Boulevard Beer and the Negro League Baseball Museum. Any other recommendations for Kansas City? Oh, um, well, I mean, 36
0: hours, you're not going to have much time, assuming you're going to two baseball games, the Boulevard Brewery Tour and the Negro Leagues Museum. By the way,
3: I would say scrap one of those games. I love Coffin Stadium, but usually I find I have a better time. I know you didn't ask me the question, but oh. just go to one game. I know weather can be a factor, but just go to one game and free yourself up to do other stuff in the city.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. So just a couple quick tips: if you're doing the Negro Leagues Museum, ask if Bob Kendrick is there, and if he's there, he'll give you like a personal mini guided tour. It's a complete game changer if you can. And then, I mean, obviously barbecue. You got to do a couple barbecues. I would say if I'm get Jack Stack in Joe's if you've never been if you want a newer spot that is as high quality if not more high quality than both uh go to Q39 but if you've never been to Kansas City you got to do one of the classics um which I would my favorite of the classics is is probably the Z-man at, at or the ribs at Joe's or the lamb ribs in the cheesy corn at Jack Stack need to, wrap, need to Fun show. Um, it was nice to Spiegs to work half of it. That was a nice little commitment. No, I'm We're ke- Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, tomorrow on the show, my buddy Adam Lefko going to hop on. He was anchoring the LeBron coverage last night and is a diehard Eagles fan, and he went from uh, the Turner Studios in Atlanta. I think he stopped back home in New York, and now he's heading out to Arizona for the Super Bowl to watch his beloved Eagles play and do some gigs out there. And Dave Wanstead is going to be with us in studio, drinking. And we might have Nick Wright on to talk about the Chiefs' perspective of it. We'll see. And we are now just... Tomorrow we're on at 2 o'clock right at the NBA trade deadline. We're going to have Joe Cowley as a part of the show. We're going to have Vinny Goodwill, hopefully, as a part of the show. We might hear from tourist Karnishevich. So tomorrow's going to be very busy. Then Friday at 3 o'clock, our favorite segment of the year, Shane's Anxiety Attack. Uh, We'll go for 30 Super Bowl picks in one segment, back-to-back-to-back. You never know who's going to come on. It's a real good time, so put an alarm in your phone and be with us Friday at 3 o'clock for the best Super Bowl pick segment anywhere in radio. Our guests today, Angelo Cataldi, who called me a loser, Steve Ashburner was on the show, Darnell Mayberry and Mark Carmen. We're on the show. Thank you to Connor O'Donnell and Kevin Lapka for the Twitch chat and video stream. Thank you, sirs. Shane Reardon, our executive producer, thank you, sir. Chris Tannehill makes us sound better than we are each and every day. For Matt Spiegel, I'm Danny Parkins. We are Parkins and Spiegel. This is The Score.
3: That was awesome. That was awesome. We get it. Attention
0: spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio.